Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week. It's doggy pod time. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Doggy Pod. I'm Dr. Rob Zammett with the amazing producer. <laughs> I can't even say my name now. <laughs> After that, Stephen Peters is my name. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about hay fever and, you know, the sorts of runny nose type allergies that, uh, that a lot of people get this time of year. Can our dogs get that sort of thing? And if so, mm. what can you do about it? And also, I'll give you some tips if you're planning on buying a puppy that's still in a litter. Now, which one of those cute little puppies is the right one for you? What are the signs you need to look for? Because they all give you that take-me-home look, don't they? Oh, I'll say they do. And we're going to chat about some of those um, those odd miracles that we read about or see in the news every so often where a dog finds itself kilometres, sometimes hundreds of kilometres from Mm, home, yet they can still find their way back home. There's been some truly amazing stories in the past. I want to know, one, if it's true, and if it is... How the hell do they do it? I'll talk to you about it, all right, because I have an amazing story about that. Oh, stand by. Mm, But, of course, I'll have my top five this week. Oh, boy, doesn't that cause a lot of controversy? Always, always. Which is good. Good on you. I'm glad you're all ringing in and let us know which one you think is the top five. I'll give you my top five for the laziest dog breeds in the world. You know, which breeds are the ones that really are just happy to do Nothing. You know, just sleep, eat, lay, and sit on the couch. (laughs) I look forward to that. Now, also, um, I want to know what's been going on in the clinic this week because it seems every week at Dr. Rob's clinic, there's something happens that just... We do have a fairly amazing sort of place. We have a lot of... You uh, get a lot of animal story there. We had had a dog that came uh, all the way from Canberra. Uh, Now, for those people that do not know where Canberra is, uh, especially people from overseas... Canberra is a little state or territory, it's a territory in, yeah, in right in the middle of, uh, of New South Wales, fair way away, uh, I guess about three or four hours drive, is it, these it's days? About, about three From, hours to drive Sydney, to you. Yeah. To Sydney. And these people came all the way up because uh, they were having trouble with the dog. It was a German Shepherd. 
and it was eight months old and only 14 kilos. It wasn't a dwarf. It had been vomiting ever since they started feeding it solids, and they were trying to keep it alive. Uh, People thought maybe it was a megaesophagus. That's what the vets thought. Um, A megaesophagus, mega, just very, very large esophagus, the tube that goes from your uh, mouth down to your stomach. And dogs do get megaesophagus. This is an esophagus that has no tone to it, no muscle, no nerve supply. If you think about eating an apple, you can literally stand on your head, chew an apple and swallow and it'll get down to your stomach because of all the muscles in your esophagus, that tube. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just saying. trying to imagine Picture that. yourself trying to you eat an apple. You can stand on your head. Yeah, you can. Yeah, kids do it all the time, swing from the eat an apple. monkey bars and it still gets into your stomach, right? right? Okay. Uh, this dog can't even eat normally and the food go down right. the stomach. The, the food was pocketing in the esophagus. When we x-rayed it with some um, contrast media so we could see where the food was pocketing, it was all pocketing in front of the heart. It wasn't right through the whole esophagus. It's just this one spot in front of the heart. And, and it was a So really, pocketing, you mean it was just stuck? Oh, it was stuck there, real big yeah. pocket of food. It would get some food down, but not much, just enough to keep it alive, not really grow. Wow. And I decided this dog had what's called a persistent right aortic arch. What does all that mean? The aorta is the biggest blood vessel in your body. It leaves the heart and supplies the body. And it's on your left side. leaves the heart on the left side. When you're an embryo, you have two aortas, one on your left and one on your right. And the right one virtually disappears, dissolves away, if you like. If it persists... It, it forms a ligament that forms this little triangle that traps the esophagus. And so food can't get down. The esophagus was trapped. So we had to open up the chest of this dog. Oh and I was operating in front of the heart, this beating heart, trying to loosen the So you could see up. the heart beating? I could feel and see the heart. I could oh see the lungs. God. And one foot wrong, one little finger the wrong way, one little cut the wrong way, this dog's life is gone. It's oh. ended. It was a pretty tough operation, um, but I was, you can't believe the cheers that went up when I finally could just get, because you put a stomach tube down the esophagus, it stopped in front of the heart. You couldn't get it down Mm, to the stomach. When I finally cut the last thing, loosened it all up, and and the stomach tube just slid all the way down, oh, such happiness. But then, of course, you've got to get out of the chest, and that's not easy. Um, When you open the chest up, no animal can breathe. You can't, if you, when we open our chest up, we can't breathe because there's the wrong sort of pressures in there. So the anaesthetist has to be pumping the bag in and out, ventilating right, yeah. the chest all the time to make sure that you can breathe. That had to be happening with my veterinary nurse doing that all the time. So Ainsley was pumping this right through while we were doing the surgery. We got out. You know, one step at a time, you start sewing everything up. When you get to the last layer of the chest cavity, you, the, the uh, anaesthetist has to blow the air right out so there's no air in the chest. The che- air has to be in the lungs, not inside the chest cavity. Otherwise, you have what's called a pneumothorax. All that air presses down on the lungs, presses down the heart, and everything stops. Right. So they have to blow it out. You, you do the last bit of sewing up, you put a chest drain in to get rid of the last bit of air and then you hold your breath 
<laughs> and hope that this animal starts breathing on its own once the anesthetic has stopped, and she did. And I'm very happy to say that she uh, has gone home. So, um, my God, that would have been uh, very stressful for the owners, one, to have come. Don't worry about the owners, worry about me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you do this sort of stuff every week, but they've driven, you know, three and a half hours to get to you and then have yeah. to wait while yeah, this operation yeah. happens. It would have been very stressful. The dog stayed with us, of course, for a couple of nights before it went home, but uh, it's doing really well. Doing so, really well. We're going to put some photos of that on our website and Instagram. Are we now? Yes, we are. Good we're, to know. The owner said we could, so it's all right. <laughs> okay. Little Layla will, Layla will be up there. Layla. She okay. starts, started the 14 kilos post uh, prior, prior to surgery, but she's home now, eating food, happy, happy as anything to be home, and the owners are so happy that the food is not coming back up all the time. So it's not something that's likely to reoccur? No, no, I would doubt that we're going to get... I mean, you could always get adhesions, and that's not happening, so I'm rather pleased about that. So we're coming into summer, it's springtime now certainly for us here in Australia and you know a lot of people suffer from allergies and get hay fever and the like but can our dogs get hay fever and can they get allergies and do they have runny noses and the like? I, I don't know, I've never seen a dog with a runny nose <laughs> but I'm guessing, do they? Well yeah, look they can get allergies. Um, generally when they get allergies it's manifested as skin problems and we've talked about that in the past where they scratch all the time. That's the main manifestation of a dog's allergy. So not watery eyes and runny nose not like Not so we much, do. but they can. Some dogs do. And they also get what's called a reverse snort. You know, it sounds almost like a cough, but it's like... <laughs> that sort of sound, folks. Yep. And there, it's can you re- do that again? Yeah, right? okay. Oh, it's a reverse gross. snort. It's like something stuck up their nose and it's... it's telling you the dog probably has an allergy situation. They get uh, red eyes, conjunctivitis, they get some discharge, some watery discharge, then you're thinking allergies. Combine that with skin problems, it's definitely allergies to things in the environment. And so dogs get a lot of allergies to a lot of different plants. The worst is um, the vines, any vines at all. Jasmine, oh, terrible, especially when the flowers, wandering dew, uh, the morning glory plant, potato vines. But they won't sneeze or anything. Oh, uh, they? they, their eyes. You, I've seen their eyes puff right up. You know, they, mm. they can hardly see because the eyes are so puffy. And yes, they will sometimes sneeze and, you know, they have a lot of trouble. They can have even trouble breathing if they get right into those vines. Mm. Uh, and that has come in many times. They say, oh, this dog's being running through your backyard and you've got vines. Oh, how did you know? Well, yeah, Mm. they're all the symptoms of it. But is it anything to worry about generally? Oh, yeah. Well, it can cause problems. It causes a lot of problems, including secondary bacterial infections, but problems of the skin, uh, you know, dogs scratching all the time, rubbing its eyes, can get ulcers, lots of problems. So you do have to address it. If it happens just the once and you give it a treatment, it goes away great. But allergies are for life. And if they're skin allergies, then you, you've got to be on top of it with your veterinarian treating it in some way. There are drugs these days that uh, some dogs have to take every day, Stephen, every day, or injections once mm-hmm. a month. And some, some dogs are on it for the rest of their life because they have allergies that stay there with them the rest of their life. Some dogs grow out of allergies just like people do, you know, if they get it very young. Mm. Uh, but there are other plants as well, other trees, 
Uh, some dogs develop food allergies, and they can be a bit nasty. And, of course, grasses like buffalo grasses notorious for causing allergies both in people and in dogs. So, yep, dogs can get hay fever, but usually it's much worse. It's a, it develops into a skin allergy with inflamed skin, smelly, because the, the inflamed skin has bacteria on it, normal. We have bacteria on our skin. I can see them all over you right now, Stephen. Can you? Yeah, and look at our listeners. They've got have, it too on their skin. Have had a shower this morning. <laughs> but well. that bacteria grows when you get an allergy because it's all inflamed. They become opportunistic pathogens. The, the bacteria grow. And what do bacteria release as they're growing? Gas. And what's that gas? It's foul smell. Real stench. That malodorous you know, inhalation of the dog's skin when it's got uh, an allergy, you know it only too well. So mm. you've got to kill the bacteria, control them, control the inflammation to stop the itching and go through all sorts of things to try and help that poor animal. So it can be seasonal, just like oh yeah, with they, dogs. Yeah, this summer, summer, year summer is itch. The worst. Summer itch. It's often referred to because it occurs in summer, most likely spring and summer. Okay, for anybody that's ever bought a new dog and, and bought it uh, as a puppy, you go to the breeder, and there's uh, a litter there, and they're all staring at you with that "take me home" mm. look on their. <laughs> on their face and you know some are more active than others and some are keeping to themselves and and gee you know it's a tough decision because this decision you're about to make is is your dog for that dog's life and that's you know a lot Mm. of years in your life as well so it's a lot of pressure but you know you're standing there looking at these puppies and they're all cute as anything what's what's a good thing to look out for other than just your gut feeling about a puppy the first thing you should look out for is you Mm. What sort of personality are you? What sort of commitment are you going to put into training this dog? If you're the personality that's you know, very, well, meek and mild and you've got to really admit it to yourself that you're not going to be mm. out there, don't look for the rambunctious puppy that runs up to you all the time because it may be the dominant animal that will dominate you as well. So try to mirror yourself to yeah, a degree. Have a look at it and see if, it's a ni- if you're a nice, quiet, sort of laid-back person you're not going to spend a lot of time training the dog then the quieter puppy might be the one. You don't want the one that's shivering in the corner because that may have problems. You just want the more laid-back puppy for a start. And, of course, if you're looking at puppies, look at the yard that they're in. Is it clean? Are the puppies clean? Are their eyes nice and clear and sparkly? Because if they're not, then you may have a problem of worms and rearing and um, no socialisation. So should you be careful of that puppy... And invariably, there's there's always one or two that kind of just sit quietly over in the corner. And yeah, if it's if it's healthy and it wants, it's happy for you to pick it up. It's happy to play with you and interact with you. That's probably a good pup to to get if you're not going to do some training and you're not going to do, you don't want to overdo it with how much interaction. Mm. Um, that would be fine. If it's a pup, you decide no, I'm going to take this dog training because every dog does deserve, deserve industry. Every dog deserves going out and having a. Something to do. Some training and, yeah, those sort of things. But if you're not going to do that, look, I just don't want to do that. I just want to have a dog that just sits in the house with me. If you want a dog that just sits in the yard all the time and you don't go out to it, just feed them that, don't get one. <laughs> um, I don't like well, that. Well, that's true, exactly. Yeah, what's yeah, if, the you're point not gonna ta- if you're not going to take your dog for a walk at least, yeah. don't bother. Don't get do it. it. Get don't a cat. Yeah, get over it. 
you know, build a bridge and go somewhere else. Is, there, is there anything it, else we sh- that, that should be a warning sign to somebody in a, in a, in a new pup? Like yeah, that? a pup that's you know, running away from you all the time and screaming a bit, it's not socialised and uh, there's something wrong either innate with its temperament, you know, in its genes, it's just way too shy for you and you're going to need a lot of work. To, I'm not saying that you can't fix that. Mm. You can, it's very fixable. But it may take a lot of work for someone that doesn't know what they're doing and then you don't have the time to it. If you're going to put your time into it and you're going to do some training, then, you know, the old David, sit down, see what comes, what pups come to you, and that's not a bad way to go. So really, so that works, you think, as far as... I do think so, I really just do. plop yourself you, down and see your who... Your gut instinct do, does yeah. every time. If you're a real animal person, you love animals, you love dogs, and you know, have a look and go with your gut. Go with your gut. Trust yourself on this one. Okay, we've all seen those stories on the news from time to time where a lost dog turns up after, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of being lost and it, and it was hundreds of kilometres away and it's managed to find its way home across busy roads, through different suburbs and still ends up finding its way home. Now, I've never understood how that happens. To me, it sounds and feels like a miracle. Uh, and Dr. Rob, you are going to explain exactly what, what <laughs> yeah, is. Well. I mean, it's true, obviously, because oh, yeah. you see it on the news, but I just don't get it. How the, how how do they do it? Sure, and and I mean, it's not. Only, I've seen it happen. I have seen it happen. We had a dog here. I'll tell you a rather amazing story about that. Please do. Please we do. had a dog. It was a cattle dog that came in knocking at death's door. It was yellow in the gums because it was jaundiced because the liver was failing. It was having trouble breathing. We gave it some oxygen. There was little we could do for this dog and had heartworm. Mm. And they were so bad that we couldn't give it the treatment to kill the heartworm because it was going to kill the dog. We actually put these long forceps down the jugular into the heart and grabbed the heartworm out and pulled them out. I have actual slides still on this operation we did we did this wow. operation not under a general anesthetic under local anesthetic this dog was so sick but how did you know it had heartworm um the x-ray suggested that, that was the problem in those days the blood test was only looking for microfilaria there wasn't the special antigen test we have now so this dog had what's called occult diaphyloriasis yeah easy for me to say <laughs> not um, say it again go on i dare you <laughs> Occult diaphyloriasis. It means it had heartworm without the larvae inside the blood and had all the symptoms. The x-rays showed that you know, we saw these big pulmonary arteries and we knew it was in trouble. We literally pulled these heartworm out, literally pulled them out, mm. and all under local anaesthetic. No general anaesthetic because the dog was too sick. We just put local anaesthetic around the jugular vein, slid the long forceps down into the heart. Was the dog too weak to put oh, up a fight? Yeah. She, she, yeah. Kelly was dying. She was dying. This yeah. was a you know, do or die if it, if it works, we save her life. Yes. And her name was Kelly Maitland. I'll never forget that. The reason I'll never forget that was mm-hmm. she, the next day she was bouncing around. A week later she went home. She was fine. And then a few months later they came in and they said, oh, we've got some sad news because I knew I got very attached to this dog. We've lost Kelly. I said, what? And so they said, we went up to Maitland, which is, Maitland's about 170 kilometres from here. They drove there because they were looking at land or something up there. And their surname was Maitland, these people. But they were going up to right. live in Maitland. Kelly took off after a kangaroo or something in the bush and they 
they looked and looked for the whole day. They couldn't find her. Couldn't, didn't come back. And I, I was really saddened that you know, poor old Kelly Maitland was lost in the bush. I just hoped she might find a good home. A few weeks later, I was sitting outside in the sun reading a vet... Rem- I remember, remember I was thinking about doing some ex- more exams, why one wants to put oneself through that, I don't know. And I was reading this book and I, I was thinking... I. Her, I just th- thought about her for some reason and I look up and thought, gosh, this is great. I'm so entrenched in this, I can see Kelly Maitland out there. And she <laughs> looked and she waited and said, it is you. I, th- I thought I was imagining it. Kelly Maitland had come all the way from Maitland. Back to ba- you. Back to us. <laughs> I guess we're on the main drag, you know, the main But an- that, how is that possible? That's, yeah, 150, yeah. Well, and it's I, a long way. I rang the owner's up Kelly Maitland is here. I said, no, they didn't. Believe, they came down. There she was. She all 170 kilometres. She did the walk in a few weeks, and in she came. How does it happen? We know that animals can navigate with birds. We know they can navigate through all sorts of reasons. Would you believe the Earth's magnetic field they can use? Other animals can use the sun and the moon and the stars literally to navigate by. But how do they know what, where they're going, though? Well, they have that sense of, you know, being one with nature and knowing all these things. She decided that home was this way. That was the way the sun rose, the way the sun set. I know home is this way. And she kept on walking. So generally heading, in this case, heading south. <clears throat> yeah, I guess south southeast. Hmm. And she came home or came to us. And literally came in wagging her tail as if to say, I'm back. <laughs> For the second time, she'd been snatched from some sort of jaws of death, I think. So what would she have been living on for a couple of weeks? Oh, I guess whatever she could find around the place. Yeah, dogs in the wild are scavengers. They will scavenge and they don't have to eat fresh meat all the time. They don't need to eat dry food any time. Hmm. And so she was scavenging. The cattle dogs, they're such good doers. They'll find things and dig things up and eat and on press on. And she did press on until she got home or at least until she came to the vet hospital again. Yeah, it's interesting that she didn't go home, she came to no, you. No, she came to us <laughs> and I, I will never forget. So is it electric magnetic field? People say, oh, it can be smell. Well, no, she couldn't have smelt her way home. No. It's no. too far. Well, that's, that's what I've you never know. understood. No, yeah. it's way too far for that. But those sort of stories, are, you know, it's time and time again we've had that sort of thing happen to us. We had a... Um, Another dog that was lost at sea and just on, you know, it wasn't too far away, but it was a What had fallen a big overboard. Ocean, fallen overboard. The person couldn't go back. The ocean was too big. It was not too far out, um, but this dog had to swim too shore and then cross over a river and find its way home and did so. How yeah. far was home? Oh, it would have it would have been way over about oh, fifty kilometres away, and it, it came home. They couldn't believe it because they again, you know, I get attached to all, all my dogs and patients in here. They were telling me the story about how they lost the dog and how sad they were, and hmm. they don't know if they could ever replace him. Well, they didn't have to replace him then. And uh, Shep, that was his name, the dog's name, Shep Island made it all the way home. So they use the, the Earth's magnetic field, you Well, that's say. what they believe. They're saying the Earth's magnetic field, the position of the sun, and you know, the Earth's magnetic field is uh, affected by the moon as well and all sorts of other things. So we know all those things come into play. Dogs are much, much wiser than we are when it comes to... They don't need a GPS in their car. 
My God, that's impressive. And and then, of course, they've crossed busy roads. And oh, all sorts of things. Well, this dog swam predators, through. Predators, maybe. Yeah, well, this river it would have gone through. You'd think maybe a shark would sort of say hello, but mm. he made it through, thank goodness. God They're bless crazy. them. They are fantastic creatures. I, Somebody no should do a podcast on dogs. That would be I, I'd, I'd listen to that every week. Every time. <laughs> All right. It's now time for Baba Dr. Rob's Top 5. Now, Top 5 this week are the five laziest couch potato breeds in the world. In the world, basically the dogs that give you nothing. They just <laughs> want to hang around, do nothing, couldn't be bothered barking. They're just, yeah. They're yep. just bone lazy. and um, But, you know, for some people that might be just the sort of breed I'm after. So from five down to one, Dr. Rob, what are the laziest dog breeds in the world coming in at number five? So I won't mention the dog de Bordeaux because that would be number seven. Uh, the Greyhound, of course, would be there at number six. So I'm not going to mention those because I know you only want five. You have trouble with this five, <laughs> number, just choosing five, don't you? Okay, the Neapolitan so Mastiff and Newfoundland both come in at number five. There you go. The Neapolitan yeah, Mastiff? Just, just ahead of the Greyhound and the Dog de Bordeaux. And the Pug. The Pug can be very active, but... So hang well, on, are you still on number five no, or four No, number now? four. We've gone to okay, four. So, okay, now at number four is... The Pug. Yeah, they like to just lounge around. I mean, they, they're... All these dogs, every one of them will have their moments of activity. They're not total, you know, they will get up, go and eat and play around for a short time, but then they will just like to lay there. The Pekingese, of course, are number three because they were bred for that. They were bred to be lap dogs, the only dog in the world that was bred just for that one reason, to look rather beautiful with their long coats and to just lay there. So it was bred to be lazy. Yeah. At number two... Wasn't bred to be lazy, but boy, he's developed a nice. He'll give him a couch and he'll stay there. The English bulldog. English bulldog. Mm. Okay, okay. Which leaves just one more breed to go as the laziest dog breed in the world yes, is. And they both start with the B, the Basset, and the Bloodhound. <laughs> I got two in at number one, folks. The Basset, you know, Fred Basset. Mm. He just likes to. Uh, they do have an incredible loud bark when they do start their bark, as does the Bloodhound. Yeah, the Bloodhound, for those folks that of my vintage, you may remember the Beverly Hillbillies. I used to love that show. And there used to be this big dog that would just sit on the front lounge all the time. And, and Grandma told, Granny would say, go and do this, go and get that, and the dog would just lay there and just look up. Mm. In <laughs> fact, when you think of Bloodhounds, despite the name, you do think of dogs just Lamely. lazing on the yeah. front veranda or something. And they're good tracking dogs. They'll go out and do work. But uh, if they don't have to, I'll just, we'll just lay here and just... They're bone dunk. lazy. Done. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's it for us this week on the Doggy Pod. Thanks again. We've uh, loved knowing that you're out there listening to us and hope you've enjoyed the show. And we will see you again uh, next week. Every episode uh, comes out on a Friday and um, we'll hear from you then. And I like this quote from Mark Twain who said... The dog is a gentleman. And I'm sure you also met the gentlewoman as well for the female dog. He said, I hope to go to the dog's heaven, not man's. Yeah, it would be a fun place, I guess. <laughs> okay, see you next week. Bye, everyone. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.